Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with XGrowth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another show. I'm Shaheen Hoda with XGrowth. And today I'm talking to Danny Beck, head of marketing ANZ at Citrix, about why B2B brands should probably work harder on simplifying their message to their customers. And if they're planning to do that, how should they approach it? On that note, let's dive in. Danny, thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Um, Now, Danny, for those who might not be familiar with yourself or might have been under a rock and don't know about Citrix, can you give us a bit of a background and intro? Oh, with pleasure. So look, a little bit about who I am. Uh, I have been working in the uh, Asia Pacific and ANZ IT market for pretty much my whole career, I think, if I look back now, about 25 years. I've had the privilege to work for a number of different uh, market-leading software organizations and most recently joined Citrix in the capacity of Head of Marketing for Australia and New Zealand. And my passion has always been technology, software. I guess really I could define myself as a geek and that's what really gets me out of bed in the morning. In terms of Citrix, it's been a, an amazing company to join and I think what I've noticed is culturally uh, the organisation really aligns to my, my own personal values and, and that's typically what attracts me to a lot of organisations. And so Citrix has been on a journey for many, many years. We've been in market for 30 years. We've got a lot of customers in the Australia, New Zealand region. We've got a lot of customers globally. Uh, We're a pretty well-known brand, uh, but we're well-known within the IT part of the business and even the the end users who log in to their workstations remotely using Citrix technology. So overall, uh, pretty excited about where Citrix is today and where I might be able to take it in the future. That's amazing. And well, as, as some people might know, Citrix is, is heavily focused on helping people work comfortably um, from remote environments and in remote places. And that has been a very hot topic of discussion because of the current pandemic that we're, uh, we're at. I mean, if anyone listening right now, it's, it's 26th of June, 2020. Um, and what, well, the first thing that I wanted to ask is, you know, considering being at Citrix, can you tell us a little bit about uh, a maybe a perspective that you have that you think other people uh, would have a difficulty would have difficulty seeing this this situation that we're in because they're not in your position? Is there is there something unique that that you see in the market right now um, that it might not be evident to to everyone? Yes, it's a really good question. And I think, you know, we get blinkered because we, we work in often in silos. But, but what I think this whole 2020 current environment has proved to me uh, and to Citrix, but especially the way I think about just telling customers about where the market's going, where Citrix is going, is that the, the digital workplace is now front and centre. Technology companies have been talking for the last few years about something called digital transformation. 
but nobody really knew what it meant. And if you asked Microsoft, they'd have one perspective. If you asked Citrix, they'd have another. If you asked Google, they'd have a slightly different take on it. But I think one thing's become really clear to me is that the the, the digital workplace is now front and centre uh, and companies need a strategy for creating a truly efficient digital workplace. And I'm not sure they've had that. They've talked about it. They've toyed with it. But they're not really sure how to have, you know, gone about it. So, you know, I think it's pretty rare these days uh, that a business hasn't been materially impacted by the spread of COVID. We know they have. And both employees and leadership have really had to learn, and in some cases for the first time, whether they're really truly work-at-home people. We all say we like to work at home, but there's a difference between liking to work at home and thriving when you work at home. And I think that's also presuming you've retained your job. Uh, but for those organisations that embrace digital digitally way moving forward, um, those rewards can really outweigh uh, the challenges. So we at Citrix have been talking a lot to people about, you know, the challenges um, that business leaders need to identify in order to really have a truly distributed workforce. And three things have become really clear to me. Number one, you really need to align strategy throughout your leadership organisation. Um, you know, leaders play now a very, very vital role in that employee experience. And when I talk about that, I talk about IT and HR, and the two rarely meet in the middle. I think often there's a, a lack of mutual understanding between IT and HR, and there's some inefficiency between the two at the best of times. But now with teams being physically spread, it's, it's a liability if the two aren't really talking. You have this, what I call this, um, a, a custodian vacuum, uh, which can result in no real responsibility for the employee digital experience. So we really need uh, alignment between the CIO, the CEO, the COO, the CFO, the CDO, any CXO, any senior manager, really management at all levels. That's the first thing. Secondly, you need to prioritise digital wellness. I know for me personally, uh, when I talk about digital wellness, it really refers to, you know, my mental health, staying positive. Working from home can be incredibly productive, but also incredibly isolating. And the technology enables us, in some cases, really to work from anywhere. At, at Citrix, we talk about uh, work is an outcome we drive, not a place we go. And so digital wellness is really important now, ensuring that your workforce can achieve what they need to but they're feeling mentally well. So that's the second thing companies need to really, really think, think about. And then thirdly, it's adopting the right tools and tech for success, that convergence of global technology, business trends. We've got 5G, we've got information uh, uh, overload, we've got embedded smart tech, we've got real-time analytics. So we've got all this technology you know, coming to market, being thrown at us. And we continue to march forward, but with lots of these global disruptions. So we really need the right tech at the right time for success. So these are the things that I guess I've been thinking about from a perspective that, you know, maybe others don't, uh, that, I, that I think will really uh, reshape 2020 and beyond. That's very interesting. I really like the concept of the custodian vacuum. 
Um, and, uh, and, and I've personally seen quite a lot in a lot of organizations and, and it's, it's really fascinating to keep these in mind as we go through this, this, this period. Um, now in, you know, in your conversation and what you were saying, you touched on a, a few very interesting points where, you know, digital people, tech companies were talking about digital transformation. They were talking about, they were throwing these phrases out there and different people have different definitions around around this what i really like to dig in is you know in the in the past few years how have you seen these technology companies message to market kind of evolve like how how that transformation has happened uh, in considering you've been in this in the scene for a long time how how have you seen that change yeah look i guess marketing like any uh profession uh, is constantly evolving. And what I've seen over the years is tech companies were talking to tech companies. The marketers were technologists. The language was feeds and speeds. The go-to-market strategies was all around uh, pushing product, pushing specs, uh, and, and IT people talking to IT people. And that's where the relationships were born. Uh, so uh, if you think about it, if I think about it, 20, 30 years ago, uh, tech companies were talking to IT professionals like themselves. So the language had to align. And IT were typically the buyers. They were the ones who went to, out, they did the tenders. They basically said, well, we need, we need a payroll system. So let's talk to, you know, uh, an SAP or an ERP supplier, an Oracle, whoever it might have been, a Siebel, and we need a payroll system, we need an ERP system, let's talk to them. And so the language was always tech people talking to tech people because tech people were the buyers. That's not the case anymore. Now the buying cycle and the buying, there are buying teams. And when I think about it, that makes sense, right? Because if I'm trying to buy a HR system or I'm buying a payroll system, the users of those systems is not IT. The users is HR. The users is finance. If it's a marketing automation platform, then it's marketing. So why would IT make the decision on the usage of technology that they're not using? They're just really managing and implementing. So the language has had to change. And so you've had to go and take technology products and flip them to be able to talk to marketers, to talk to HR, to talk to finance. And in fact, what I've noticed is salespeople now, if I want to sell to a, a, a financial solution, the greatest, some of the best sellers is not the actual account managers or the salespeople. It's your finance director talking to your finance customers or the CFO, or it's your marketing director. So, uh, uh, if I'm the marketing director for an, a HubSpot or a CRM solution, then potentially I'm the best person to go out and talk to the marketers of my customers because I can talk in their language. And so the, the technology companies have had to tell a story uh, based on uh, the decision makers who are varied across the organization. So the language has had to change quite considerably. And I think that's been the biggest change that I've seen in marketing over the last 10 years. That's very interesting. And you're right. I mean, IT has been a 
massive um, buying center for for a long time. Do you think going forward the 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 say that IT has is going to be further and further reduced um, in terms of buying decisions and 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 going through that buying cycle? I don't think their their decision making capability is reduced. I think it's just more shared now. And the reason I say that is because at the end of the day, they're still managing the networks, they're managing the infrastructure, and they have to make it all work together. And you don't want to buy a bespoke uh, solution that is not going to integrate within your, your existing infrastructure. And so if you can buy technology that aligns better with what you've got, it's going to make it more cost effective, it's going to make it easier to manage. It's going to reduce the security gaps. And we know security is top and front and center of, of all organizations these days, whether you're small, medium, or large. So I think the responsibility to come back to your question of IT is just as great, but it's they've got other stakeholders they need to manage now. So they're learning now to negotiate and navigate the organization, probably develop skills in terms of uh, teaming and uh, I guess, uh, working with HR, marketing, finance, senior leadership that they didn't have to do before. So in a way, uh, their stakeholder management has grown. So their ability to purchase, they've got to have, I guess, uh, more influencing skills now, uh, be able to sell, I guess, themselves internally. And they're not as siloed as they used to be. That's the biggest change that I've seen. Right. And what does that mean from, from marketing to an organization from that perspective? Does that mean that, you know, marketers have to have multiple different messages for different people within an organization? Does that mean that they should maybe start focusing on the department that is going to be the user of their, of their, um, of their solution? What, what do you think that means for, for marketers? of these technology companies? Oh, look, marketers have to be able to tell multiple stories depending on the audience, basically. So uh, obviously, if I'm going to be going out as a Citrix, as the head of marketing for Citrix, and I've got an audience of HR people, the story that I'm going to tell around how Citrix can uh, help the HR division is going to be a very, very different uh, story to if I'm in front of finance or if I'm in front of uh, uh, IT. Uh, so basically, pretty much, I need to be able to talk like any good marketer in the language of the audience of the people that I'm speaking to. And so marketers have to think uh, more broadly, who am I talking to? How do I talk in their language? Uh, and is that going to resonate? I can't talk generically anymore. So I've got to have potentially industry, an industry perspective, as well as a segment perspective, because if I'm talking to a, an SMB, the challenges there are very different in terms of, well, SMB typically have less resources. Uh, it's a jack of all trades. I probably need to have a different discussion to if I'm talking to the CIO of you know, a large bank or if I'm talking to the education sector. So I think that basically uh, marketers need to really get very clear on who is the audience, what is the segment they're in? What is the size of the organization? 
and even potentially what competitors are they talking to because that's the other factor you have to consider. We don't operate in isolation. Uh, customers are looking at multiple organisations. They partner with multiple suppliers. And so uh, it's not always a rip and replace strategy. It's, well, how do we work uh, better together? So at Citrix, we work very closely with the likes of Cisco and Google and Microsoft and Amazon Web Services because we need a better together story. So you need to become very, very versatile. Yeah, and that's that's messaging changing on so many different levels to the stakeholders and the competition. Uh, that that you know, it's starting to become really complex and and more to the reason of why marketers should start to think about their messaging and 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 humanizing that that message. Hey, it's Alex from X Growth. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Growth Colony Slack channel. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack. I'd love to touch on what is happening with Citrix. I mean, we, we spoke about a little, little right here, especially around the competition and working with the competition. But this approach of humanizing and the humanizing a company's language and message and making sure that it takes multiple different layers of consideration, how, is the, how are you implementing that at Citrix? How does that look like at Citrix today? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. I, I love what Citrix is doing. I, I talk to our, our VP of marketing and our product marketers and even our sellers uh, on a regular basis. And look, uh, many years ago, we just you would have hit our website and you'd, the first thing you'd see is Citrix products. And it doesn't matter who you were and what you would see there would be virtualization, uh, application delivery, content collaboration, Citrix managed manage desktops, endpoint management, Citrix analytics. Uh, uh, you know, you'd see all these, I guess, uh, acronyms, uh, three-letter, four-letter acronyms. And, you know, we, we still talk products. Don't get me wrong. We, we sell products. But what we've had to do is really take a step up and elevate the initial discussion. So when we talk to customers initially, we don't talk about products. We don't talk about app and desktop virtualization or content collaboration or analytics or endpoint management because that's kind of the outcome at the end of it. What we talk about now in our journey is transforming how people work, reimagining the employee experience, making employees productive, enabling people to do what they need to do on any device, anywhere, at any time in a secure manner. That's the language that Citrix now uses, and that's the transformation that has happened over 
look, not over 12 months, but over probably five, 10 years, and it's slow. So when I think about how we go to market now, we really break up our story into three quite distinct phrases, simplifying users and their access, networking, keeping what you've got up and running no matter what, and then stopping security threats before they become real. So three very distinct areas. And then you can map those areas back to what we call our digital workspace, our networking technologies, our analytics. And then you can deep dive those. But, but when you keep it at a really high level, when I think about simplifying and securing user access, that really is about how the future works. Work is no longer a place. It's dynamic. We've got digital workspaces at Citrix. They're adaptable. They offer the freedom and security for workers to do what they want, how they want, whether they're on site, on the road, in the cloud, in a cafe. We really give you that confidence without compromise. So that's kind of the language change. Whereas years ago, it would have been very much feeds and speeds around the technology. We really have kind of shifted the language. And, and that resonates with not just IT, but with uh, you know, finance, with marketing, uh, with the way customers talk these days. So really quite a big dynamic shift. And I guess as a marketer, if somebody says to me, when my friends say to me, what do you do? Uh, the way I, I like to have, I guess, what I call the barbecue conversation is I tell stories. Uh, sometimes I tell them to HR. Sometimes I tell them to finance. Sometimes a lot of the time I tell them to IT. But I'm really here about telling stories. And, you know, I tell that to my mum and dad all the time and they still look at me with a blank face. Uh, and I think one of the most challenging job interview questions I ever got was, you know, here's a product. How would you talk to it to your five-year-old son if you had one, which I did at the time? And I've got to tell you, it was really hard to, to how would you tell your son about cloud services? That was the question. And I've got to tell you, I went white as a ghost for a moment because I'd never really thought about it. But if you, can, if you can tell a story succinctly at a barbecue, then that's kind of the way you should be often telling it to people outside of IT. I love it. The, uh, the barbecue question. Um, that's, that's such a, such a great way to, uh, to explain it. I've, I've been in that position before where people have asked me what you do and, you know, I've, I've, I, I think at least I've been able to develop a story now, but before, you know, everyone, every single time somebody asks me what, what I do, I'm like, Oh my God, here's, here we go again. I'm going to say something and they're going to be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Or, you know, or, and, and in their head, they're thinking, I guess somebody has to do that. Um, so, uh, I, I totally resonate with explaining something simply and, and how difficult it is to do that. And, you know, one of the things that you've, you've, again, briefly touched on and, and we spoke about before is the importance of HR for Citrix and how that is starting to become a, a very important buying center for, for Citrix. Is that correct? Look, I think uh, with full transparency, we, we still are very much in, in the IT shop, but uh, we have over the last six to 12 months started to think about how do we start to uh, tell our, our 
story outside of IT, especially to uh, HR. Uh, and I think in 2020 with COVID, and I don't like to talk a lot about COVID because it's so overspoken about these days, um, the, the office space becoming the digital space instead of the physical space, what we know is that there's, uh, you know, that continuity plan for mass working from home. And I think uh, HR is, you know, it, it, it's got to be intimately involved now because HR is not in an environment anymore where their people are walking around, where you can check on them, you can look at their physical and mental well-being. Everybody's remote now. And so uh, when I think about employee experience, if I'm remote, if I'm working outside of the office under these pandemic situations, HR have no real feel uh, for how, am, how are our people doing? Yeah, they've got the tools to actually work remotely, but but how are they doing, as I mentioned before, from that, you know, physical and emotional and mental well-being? So uh, we want to talk to HR people about how the Citrix technology uh, can really uh, improve that employee experience to give basically their employees the best uh environment to work remotely so that they can not only have great physical, emotional, mental well-being, but talent, you know, uh, retaining talent. If I'm struggling as an employee to do my job remotely because the tools aren't working well and I don't have a great experience, then I'm going to not want to work for that company and I'm going to resign. I'm going to move elsewhere. And then HR are faced with recruitment and having to replace people. But if the tools and the Citrix technology is really uh, enabling me to work anywhere seamlessly, then hopefully that uh, talent uh, will stay within the organisation, meaning that uh, HR and recruitment and, and keeping people employed and happy, well, that's one less thing that HR have to worry about. So that is going to be a really, really big uh, audience for us moving forward. We really want to talk about uh, that seamless employee experience uh, both uh, working remotely and within the office. So that's one, I guess, uh, audience that we want to talk to. But we're also starting to branch out now and talk to, there's a lot of new titles coming up, you know, the chief digital officer, chief security officers. We want to talk to all those C-suite uh, executives uh, around uh, how Citrix technologies can really enable that digital workplace, whether it's... Um, uh, for your IT people, uh, your marketing people, your sales people, your operations, your back office, your your, your HR staff, uh, we think we have a story to tell slightly differently uh, to all those different, uh, I guess, job titles. But we're still developing it. Don't get me wrong. We are not perfect. We've come from IT. Uh, it's still the major majority of the relationships that we've had, but we are starting to think how we broaden that discussion. That's that's very interesting and that's really cool. I mean, look again, firsthand experience. I totally know what you're saying in terms of not having visibility on the team and how the team is doing. And and we're not a massive massive organization, but at the at the very start when when we had to go fully remote and half of our team were already remote, but we had to go fully remote. It was very challenging. It was productivity was was a was a challenge. And, you know, we had to put systems in place and processes in place to check in with one another and make sure that we're, we stay in touch. 
Um, though now I think we're going to have a hard time getting people back in the office, but that's a, that's a different conversation. Um, with regards to adding these new people or positions or people that are not IT, right? And you're trying to, for example, incorporate HR into your marketing. What kind of challenges have you experienced incorporating these new personas in the marketing mix of, of Citrix? Does anything come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. I need more budget to be able to go and run events and talk to these customers <laughs> beyond what I normally have. So it's a different audience and it's, it, it's obviously, uh, you know, the Citrix engine, uh, we're very familiar with the engagement models on how to reach uh, those traditional IT audiences. But if you're talking to marketers or finance or even HR, then the go-to-market strategy, the to go to them, to reach them, to talk to them, it's a different channel. Uh, and so you have to get involved in, in uh, associations, marketing campaigns, uh, working you know, with third parties that maybe you, you, you didn't work with traditionally. So if you take aside, I guess, the financial pressures of budget and stretching it, making it go further, uh, uh, you have to develop new relationships with third parties, industry bodies, industry associations, and be present. And, and here's the other thing. Citrix, and this is the same for a lot of organ IT organisations, we have no brand recognition with HR. They don't know who we are. They might know us from, well, I've taken my laptop home and I've remotely connected into my network and I might fire up a, a piece of Citrix technology and we see our logo. But other than that, they don't really know who we are. They don't really know what we stand for. They know we give them access maybe to the network when they're working from home, but there's no real brand recognition there. So we're really starting from scratch. Uh, and we literally have to go and build brands, build our brand, build our story with an audience that really doesn't know a lot about us. Whereas with IT, we've had a heritage of 30 years. They know us intimately. They know what we stand for. But if I go to an HR manager or even a marketing director who remotely connects in using Citrix Digital Workspace or you know, our, our virtual private networks or whatever it might be, they just know our logo, but they don't know anything about us. And look, I'll give you a personal example. I was having dinner last night with my girlfriend. She says to me, what is it you actually do? I, I don't actually know what you do at Citrix. Um, I know your brand when I dial in remotely, but I don't actually know what the company does. And that kind of got me thinking. And she works in, in insurance, in operations. Now, that's going to be the same when I go and talk to HR, finance, marketing, any third-party customer uh, outside of IT. So that's a really big challenge that, that Citrix has. And, and I don't know whether we have the answer to that yet, but that's something we need to think about. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's, it's always challenging to, uh, to start penetrating to new markets. And it's a really good point that you make that I think a lot of marketers make this mistake where... They have something that has worked in a certain market and then they say, you know what, I got the recipe for this and they copy and paste that into a new market or for a new persona and it just completely flops. And 
and it doesn't work for that persona. Just like you said, the, the go-to-market strategy needs to change based on based on who you're targeting and who you're going after. Now, Danny, this has been this was this has been absolutely amazing. Do you think there is anything that I didn't cover that you think it's worth talking about around company messaging, especially in the B2B space and, and humanizing that uh, message a bit more that I didn't cover that you think it's valuable for us to touch on? Look, I think we've covered a lot. There is, as I said, there's a, a, a lot to cover. Uh, I think um, the main thing, what, what, what I've seen from where Citrix is to where we're going is that the way of working, this, this transforming how people work, uh, it's never going to be the same again. As I mentioned before, we've, we've had digital transformation, but people didn't know what it meant. Uh, it's really unfortunate, but I think with COVID-19 and, and what's happened over the last three, four months, people get now what digital transformation is all about. It's really about changing the employee experience, making them productive, uh, giving them a way to engage with the organisation physically, uh, remotely, uh, cloud services becoming more important. It's really fast track. It, it, it's kind of ironic, but in a way, COVID has been the greatest facilitator of digital transformation more than any marketer could have done or any organisation could have done over the last five years. And, and that's a really, you know, I don't say that lightly because you know, I think about the people and the lives and the businesses and the economies that have been impacted. But I think it's been a wake-up call for a lot of organisations uh, in education, in public sector, in commercial to realise what digital transformation actually means. Uh, and, you know, we could have a whole another discussion on digital transformation in itself. But this has been a real wake-up call. And I have no doubt uh, the way we work moving forward uh, will be fundamentally different to the way we work. We have worked over the last five years, and and Citrix is in a really, I guess, unique position to not just not benefit just financially, take that aside, but to really help and support and change the way customers think about enabling their their employees to uh, work in the office, work remotely, work on any device. So it's it's a real inflection point in time. I get. I guess this fourth industrial revolution will be fast-tracked. And, you know, I guess I would leave you with this point is that we've done a number of surveys with our customers over the last uh, several months and uh, IT budgets are not shrinking. Uh, a lot of organisations are continuing to invest in the same level but also increase their IT budgets because they recognise that IT will keep their businesses going uh, it, it's an enabler. So it, it's a really interesting time at the moment. It's very interesting. Absolutely. At a time that all the budgets are getting cut and everything is shrinking. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear that's the case. And, uh, and I'm sure you've seen the meme that uh, it, it's the question of like, who's driving digital transformation is in your organization? Is it the CIO? Is it the CTO? Or is it the founder? Or is it COVID? Um, which I, I found a bit a bit uh, a bit funny, but Danny, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This has been a very insightful chat. Now, if some of the listeners have more questions or want to know more about Citrix or about yourself, what's the best way for them to find out more? Oh, look, I mean, you can email me at danny.beck at citrix.com, uh, or you can, you know, if you want to find out a little bit about my background and profile, 
as I said, I've been 25 years in the industry. I've worked for companies like uh, Novell, WordPerfect, Microsoft, and now Citrix. You can look me up on LinkedIn. My profile is publicly available. Fantastic. Danny, thanks a lot for jumping on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.